Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com slash giving. Enjoy the podcast. So seeing is a really funny thing. Have you ever thought about like seeing and in particular like color? Like why do we see color the way we see color? Light runs at a specific like frequency and different frequencies allow us to see light in different colors all the way across the spectrum, whether it's, it's like red, violet, blue, all these colors, it, it runs across the spectrum. And light is these different things and there are specific frequencies for each of these light colors. However, the eye sees color in a very interesting way. There's a, there's a piece called the retina. And in the retina, there are cones and rods. And these are two different types of cells that allow us to see color in a specific way. And one type, the rod cells, or the cone cells, the cone cells are, have three different types. They're, they're red, green, and blue. You ever heard of RGB? Um, you, any of you guys have TVs? Um, that's the color system that we, we work with in, in the digital thing because our eyes have cells that perceive those colors. And any color that is not that, that color is perceived as a mixture of those two colors by our eye. Now, the rod cells are for low light, for low light. So when we are seeing in darkness that we see with our rod cells, and those rod cells only come in one type. So we see in grayscale. You ever wondered why, like, when it's dark outside, it just seems like it's just variations of gray? And when you're looking around, well, that's because we're using our rod cells to see the light. And it's interesting to me that when we talk about some, something like vision, that even our eyes tell us this, that when vision is unclear, when it's dark out, we don't see the full picture. We don't see everything that is around us. That when it's bright and when it's beautiful, we see with the full vibrance of what is going on in front of us. We see all the colors. We see red and yellow with a chief's helmet. We see all the colors that are in front of us. And that's what vision is. The Bible even says at one point, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The people perish. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about vision and what it is. So this week and next week, we're going to talk about vision. And this week, I want to talk about our first love. And there's this moment in the scriptures, there's this moment in the scriptures where Jesus is at a wedding. He's at this wedding, and he's sitting down, and the disciples are with him, and his mother comes up to him. And Mary shows up, and she says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And Jesus replies back to his mother, I, this is not where I want to reveal who I am to the world. This is, not, this is not the time for this. But because it's his mother, he does it anyway. And he asks these servants to bring over six giant jars. They're, the Bible describes them as like 30-gallon jars. Six 30-gallon jars and to fill them with water. And then he asks them to take a glass and dip out of the water jugs and take it to the master of ceremonies. And to the master of ceremonies, surprise, it's wine. And not only is it wine, but it's the best wine, which the custom at the time was you serve, 
it's, it's very practical. Well, you would serve the best wine first uh, because people still knew what they were tasting. That was kind of the point. The Bible specifically says it. They still understood what they were drinking. So you would serve the best wine first, but this wine was the best wine. It was the best wine. And they were, they were confused by this. They were like, why, why, is it, why do we have the best wine? And then the Bible says this very specific thing in John's recollection of this, of this story. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the first time the disciples go, oh, there's something different going on here. There's something different going on here. I want to tell you a story. When, when I was 12, I met Hannah, who is, who is my wife now, so that none of you are lost in this story. Um, we are married. Um, but I met Hannah when I was 12, and Hannah was really, really smart and really, really competitive. And so when I first met Hannah, I've met a rival. And I like rivals. They're fun. You get to compete with each other. You get to compete in different things. You get to try to be better than the other one. I met a rival. Then, a little ways down the road, our expectations of the relationship were different. And so, being that I was not on the same page as Hannah, um, I may have uh, created an enemy. I created an enemy. And so we were opposed to one another. We were against one another. And then a little while down the road, I, when I was volunteering at church, uh, for all the single people here, when I was volunteering at church, I volunteered with Hannah in our, in our children's ministry over at the Boulevard campus at the time, and, and I found a friend. I found a friend. Some of those easy to talk to, you know, the effortless talking back and forth, the easy to talk to. And then a little while later, I found on May 10th at the movie theater, I saw my love for the first time. And when I proposed to Hannah, our relationship grew deeper. And when I married Hannah, our relationship grew deeper. And in July, when we celebrated our seventh anniversary, our relationship grew deeper. And I want you to know that some of us have all experienced Jesus in these same ways. We show up, and we meet him for the first time, and he's a rival. He's not bad, per se, but he's, he's someone we're competing with. Then, then some others of us have, have encountered Jesus and he's the enemy. He is anti what I am for. He is the opposite. He is, stands in opposition. There are other times where we, we find Jesus as a friend and, and, and he's, just, he's just who he is. We're not, we're not necessarily for him or against him, but he seems like an okay person. History remembers him fondly. He seems like he's a good guy. But we all have to come to the place where we understand that Jesus is what it means to be loved. We have to arrive at the place where we get there and we go, Jesus is my first love. 
And as we walk with him and as we grow with him, we become more and more like him and our relationship grows deeper and deeper and deeper. But there are these times in our lives where we've got to understand who Jesus is in relationship to us. You might have to actually decide whether or not he is the Savior. I know for some of us who have been following Jesus for the majority of our lives or for a long time, there are milestones along the way. There there are mile markers in our lives that we can go, I saw you there, Jesus. I saw you there. I met you there. You did something awesome there. There are these mile markers in our lives. And as I was kind of, I feel like God was just kind of speaking this to me and, and, and kind of developing this in my life. Um, I was on a plane um, from Seattle back to Kansas, and I had downloaded uh, the Hillsong Young and Free album. And there was this song that I think should become almost the vision song of our church. And I'm going to have Abby sing it for us this morning, just so you can experience it the same way that I did. But it's this song called First Love. And as I was on the plane, I listened to this song probably 40 times on repeat. I, and I don't do that. I'm, I'm like an album listener. I, I hit play at the start of the album and I listen all the way through. Like that's who I am. I'm not a repeat person. And I, I'm sitting on the, on, on the plane with tears welling up in my eyes and going, I relate to this so deeply. This is so much of, who, of what God is saying to me right now. I've experienced this in my life. And so I want you to not stand. I don't want you to sing along. Most of you probably have never heard the song, so it wouldn't have gone well anyway. But I want, I want you to stand. I don't want you to sing along. The words are going to be on the screen, and Abby's going to sing it for you. And I want you to just soak this in and, and let this really speak to your life. And as I listened to that song, I, the first thing that hit me was the, the line about my friends walking away. I can look back and I can see that over and over again in my life where I had friends who were near to God, who were near to Christ, and they just walked away. And as Christians, that has to pain us. It has to be a source of hurt in our lives. That someone that God loved walked away from him. That someone we loved walked away from God. But I also looked at that, that song and I go, I don't want this thing to fade along with youth. I want it to grow deeper over and over again every day. That as we spend time with Christ, we are, are deeper and deeper within our walk with him. Christianity cannot be a me-focused thing. It has to be God-focused and others-focused. It has to be God and others-focused. And so our, the, the, vision, the vision statement of our church is connect people to God, to others, and their calling. And so over the, these two weeks, we're talking about connecting to God and tech, connecting to others. Christianity cannot be inward focused. It's got to be outward focused. I know 
for me, there's got to be this, there's, there's, for any of you who have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've got to have this moment in your life that you can look back on and go, that was the moment. That was the moment. I know for me, you've heard me say it, it's with, in my kitchen with my mom, and she introduced me to Jesus, and I said, this is who I want to follow. But the faith of that child is not the faith of the man standing before you. I believed with the faith of a child. And now I know with the knowledge of a man. We've, we've pushed in. I've read the scriptures and I keep looking at the scriptures and keep going over them and over them and over them. And every time I read the gospels, I can't help but fall in love with Jesus again. Have you ever read a story in the Bible and gone, this speaks to me at my deepest part of my being at the core of who I am. For me, one of the stories is, is the woman who's caught in adultery and, and she's brought before Jesus and, and these people ask her, is she guilty? Is, you know, should we stone her? And, and Jesus goes, whoever has, who's without sin, throw the first stone. And they all walk away. They all walk away. And Jesus wrote something anonymously in the dirt that we do not know. But I know, I know in the deepest part of my being that Jesus, though he knew that woman had sinned, he knew who she could be. And that she was not defined by her sin, not defined by her issue, but was defined by who he saw her to be. And when I see those, that story, I go, this is a society that was throwing away this woman. I don't know if you know this, but adultery is a two-person act. And the society decided to throw away one person. And when Jesus steps in and goes, no, you will not have this person. You will not destroy this person's life. That makes me fall in love with Jesus over and over again. When he meets the Samaritan woman at the well, when, he, when, he, when he, he's right there with her and, and she comes up to him and he tells her everything that she's ever done, that she's had five husbands and she's living with another man, that she's there at the well because she's a pariah of society, that she's a Samaritan, so she's looked down on by all of, of the Israelites. What happens? He reveals that he's the Messiah to her. Who society didn't want, who religion didn't want, Jesus reveals himself to her. And it's the first time in John's gospel that he's revealed as the Messiah. And I look at Jesus and I go, I can't help but want to follow you. I can't help but look at Jesus and go, you are everything that I want to be like. You are exactly who I want to be. I don't want to be the, the imperfect parts of me. I don't want to hold on to what has gone wrong in my life. I want to strive after the man who came and died and was perfect. I want to be like him because his way of doing things is better than mine. And so I can look back on that kid sitting in that swivel chair in, 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 in the kitchen and go, you were not wrong. You were so right. Jesus proved you right over and over and over again. 
over and over and over again. But you know what the sad thing is? If we never share that with anybody, I'm not sure we've ever experienced it. I'm not sure we've experienced the truth of who Jesus is if we've never once decided to share it with somebody. And hear me clearly, I'm not saying that you made a convert. I'm not saying that somebody you told about Jesus came to faith in Jesus, and that is the, the thing. No, the scriptures clearly say that anybody who finds faith in Jesus is, is through the work of the Holy Spirit and is not through us. But have you ever been so excited about what Jesus, who he is, and what he has done that you've told somebody about it? That you can't help but spew it from your mouth? I sometimes get into this, like, uh, I get into this sometimes, and it's, and it's in weird moments. I was playing a video game. I, I can't remember if I told you guys this story. I was playing a video game with somebody, and I was playing with a friend of mine who comes to church, and, and from his friends from high school who are making less than ideal decisions, um, and they may have been uh, smoking something that, as I was playing with them. And I'm having a theological discussion with this guy because while he's stoned, he apparently decided that it's, it's, that's the right time to ask theological questions. And so it happens in very weird places. It happens in restaurants. It happens in homes. It happens all over the place. But have there, has there ever been a time where you were, were compelled to speak about Jesus and who he is? When somebody's bringing up what's wrong with society, when somebody's bringing up what has gone and been broken, and you go, that's how society is, but that's not how my Jesus is. Jesus stands in direct opposition to that that has gone wrong. Direct opposition. Be passionate about that first love, about Jesus. Some of these moments in my life have been, been really cool. There's, there was a moment in, um, when we were still in the corner over there. So some of you don't even know about the, being in the corner, but we were in the corner um, before. And the, there was a sound booth right here. You can still see the outline on the ground if you were ever wondering what that is. And I was sitting back there and I had, I had preached one time and it wasn't, I wasn't, I never felt like I was called to be a pastor. I never felt like that was, that was what I was supposed to do. Um, I was just filling in because we needed somebody to fill in. We needed, you know, somebody to speak. And um, I went I went and sat in the sound booth, and I, I felt so clearly that God was speaking to me, going, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. I have a degree in film and communications, okay? I, I, was, I was a graphic designer and, like, a, a, a marketing guy. That's what I did. And I just felt God shifting in me and following after him. And there's these milestones in each of our lives that we, we have to hold on to and look back on and go, God was clearly speaking to me. I know for me on that plane from Seattle to Kansas, God was clearly speaking to me that we cannot be people who are inwardly focused about our Christianity. We have to be outwardly focused as well. It's both. It's both inward and outward. I think a lot of times in our, in our faith, we, we use or and not and. We can either be an inward, inwardly focused church or an outwardly focused church. Why can't we be both? 
Why can't we be people who pour into our own lives and grow closer to Jesus daily and we invest in the people that are around us in our communities, in, in our jobs, in our schools, anywhere we interact with people? Why can't we be like that? We have to get this place, though, where we buy into who Jesus is. And if you haven't bought into who Jesus is, let me just tell you who he is. Jesus is God, but he came to earth as man, lived a perfect life, and then because the government of the time did not like what he was doing, and the religious leaders of the time did not like what he was doing, they put him to death. And all of that is historical fact. That is what happened. Now, this next part is also historical fact, but uh, we have a little less evidence that you have to decide which way you're going to go on this. When he died, he rose from the dead. And through that act, he forgave our sins. And he prepared a way for us to be right with God. That's where we all have to decide. There's no denying that he died on that cross that day. That's fact. And there's no denying that he rose from the dead to those of us who believe. But are you willing to make that step, that jump, that move? John's gospel tells us Jesus' intent for coming to earth. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. And he says this in John three seventeen, the verse following the famous verse. Always read the verses prior to and following famous verses. They really give you a good understanding of what's going on. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to be saved through him, but to save the world through him. The story of Jesus has always been God loving us so much that he refused to stay on the sidelines. He refused to watch the world go the trajectory it was going. He had to step into human history and, and, and change it and make it better. And then on the cross, Jesus says this, and it's very interesting, and it's Elo, Elo, Lama Sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Like Jesus and on the cross is having this weird statement of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if we actually look at it and we look at where, what he's doing, he's actually quoting a psalm. It's the first verse of Psalm 22. And it's this psalm by David where he's going back between his circumstance and who God is. This is what's going on in my life, but this is who you are. This is what's going on in my life, but this is who you are. And that psalm ends with the, this verse and a half. It says this, future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. Jesus may be dying, but he's literally still quoting Psalms as he's going to his death. 
He is quoting this beautiful thing that says, my circumstance is not who God is. God is good and he is, is who he is. He is not affected by my circumstance. His goodness is not affected by the fact that I am being executed for a crime that is not just. God's circumstance has no bearing, or God's, God, who God is has no bearing on that. And so when we see this, we, we then go to Matthew chapter 28, and you've probably all heard the Great Commission, and it says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. That's our purpose. And it's got to be all about Jesus. It can't be, it can't be all about us. When we buy into Jesus, American Christianity has to die. It can't be consumerism. It can't be, what can God give to me? He wants to pour great things out on you, but he wants you to worship, them, worship him and pursue him and share him with the world. We have to make that shift in our lives and go, it is not about me my life is not my own. But like Paul said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Philippians, that it's poured out as a liquid offering. We need to think back to our first love, that first moment, that first time that we really met Jesus and hold on to it. And hold on to it. It's got to be dear to us. It's got to be precious to us. It's got to be like our anniversary. We celebrate being married every year on the same date we get married, right? Are you celebrating daily the God who saved your life? Who saved you from the, the sinful path you were on? When we remember that Jesus is our first love, we get to see in that beautiful color. Not in grayscale, but in beautiful color. So as the band comes up, this is Jesus' final statement of that verse. It's the rest of that verse, chapter, or chapter 28, verse 20. It's a resounding message. That after he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Once he's saying, do that thing, do that thing. But then he says this, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always. When we're with Christ, we never have to go it alone. Because he's with us. Because he's near to us. There's not a moment in your life where you're by yourself when you're a follower of Jesus. You're never left alone. God's never abandoned you. He's never walked away from you. He's always near you. God, this morning, would you remind us of that first experience that first time 
when we decided you are our Savior and you're who I'm going to follow. God, I pray for anybody in the room that hasn't made that decision. God, would you just make yourself so real this morning? That the Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus of my life. God, I pray we We soak in those moments of being with you, of being near to you. It's got to always be about you. There's no other way around it. We want to make it all about you, Jesus. God, thank you that you saved me. That throughout all those moments in my life where I've missed it and I've screwed up and I've messed up and I've, I've, I've made awful decisions, God, thank you that your forgiveness is there for me to point me back to where I should be. God, I pray that I'd learn to be like you and say, Whoever doesn't have any sin, you can throw the first stone. God, I want to be like that. I want to be that grace-filled, that love-filled. I want to make you my first love always. I want to make my first love first again. In your name we pray, amen.